0: Okay, you could start whenever.
1: Welcome back to another week of talking about all the ways that religion messed us up. And today we're going to be talking about a really special one. Which one are we going to be Perhaps talking about? Perhaps the
0: most special one. Yes. And the one that people have messaged us about the most and have posted about on Facebook the most and have emailed us. Today, we're going to be talking about sex.
1: Sex. So, I think that we're going to be, we probably won't be sharing like every single detail of our sex life because I think that we need to keep some of yeah, that Yeah, who private. listens to this? Who's listening right now? If you're listening and you don't want to hear us talking about sex for like forty-five minutes, just turn it off now.
0: Yeah, that's you're probably be- best off doing that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I think, in all seriousness, all of us uh, were affected. Um, I think, like, by the purity culture, yeah. which sort of popped up. I'm not gonna like give like an exact dates, but I feel like more in the '90s and then on. And I think that Christians now are kind of catching on to how damaging that was. But I kind of feel like it took until now
0: yeah. to realize. Yeah, like, it does seem like the that. effects of
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because, like, when we were in the midst of our Christianity, nobody was talking about the negative effects of purity culture.
1: And it don't again, even use the
0: word purity culture no. when we were Christians, I don't think.
1: Well, but then again, like, we've, we're in a completely different world now, and there could have been people talking about it, and we just never would have heard, because our circles were just completely yeah. fundamentalists, you know, right. Christians, whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, I think you're right that, like, a lot of progressive Christians now have a lot more open view of sex and are, like maybe softer about it or don't freak out about it as much as we did and our peers and our parents leaders did at the time. Um, So, yeah, I I think,
1: I think like my more like effects from purity culture came because of you. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. But like, I feel like it's because your parents were a lot more fundamentalist and you were a lot more serious Christian than I had ever met. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like, And I think that because of it, it affected you because you had to deal with it growing up and just how your parents treated you and treated like you dating and all of that, that that was like a lot more of a thing for you growing up than for me. Like, do you remember anything from when you were a younger kid?
0: Yeah, all of it. I mean, I, I think I had probably a fairly typical Christian male experience of growing up. Um, And I don't know, for me, I, I guess like sex was always something that was not talked about that was like really hush hush. Um, If there was anything having to do with sex in a movie, like the parents, my parents would have us cover our eyes or look the other way, or they'd fast forward through it. It was, it was another one of those things that was like a big, a big, huge mountain of a topic that we weren't supposed to think about. We weren't really supposed to talk about it. It was kind of like we were supposed to ignore it Mm -hmm. Um, as like, as whatever a teenage boy Younger, you know, whatever, 12 to 18 year old boy, mm-hmm. uh, which, as all of you know, and as I now know, that's an impossible thing for a teenage boy to do, to just ignore this like huge fundamental part of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was just that's kind of just how it was. I didn't talk about sex with anyone, I didn't talk about it like with my friends, even my closest best friends. We never talked about sex or masturbation or anything. Like that, it was always just kind of, like, weird and taboo. Mm -hmm. And we all sort of pretended, like, it didn't exist. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Is that how it was for you?
1: Yeah, but it's definitely not the same for a girl, I don't think. At least, like, it wasn't... I mean, I don't want to speak for other girls, but I think, like, as far as, like, sex went, we just, like, talked about guys without their shirts on. I don't think that we, (laughs) like, thought any further than that. I mean, I think that it, it, like you know like whatever like what we wanted to like how sex was for us what changed maybe like later in high school but i think that like unless they just bred us to be that way for girls like sexual feelings aren't as intense like yeah growing up yeah. unless it was all repressed i'm not sure but like I didn't. It wasn't so much an obsession for me, and it wasn't really even so much of a taboo then, because I think like you're told to watch out for the guys, you know, because guys only want one thing. You're taught that your whole life, so it's kind of put on the guy's shoulders. So maybe like because the pressure is taken off of us, yeah, it didn't feel like as taboo or something.
0: Well, what about so you you were taught like that's all that guys wanted. Um, I mean, how do how did that affect you though because like i know a lot of girls were kind of taught that they should dress a certain way so that they don't tempt the men
1: yeah i mean that's like a yeah that's like a that's another layer of it i think like i never thought that that was weird like growing up at all like Mm -hmm. yeah like that makes sense like we don't we want to help our christian brothers like it made it made complete sense now looking back on it it's always like well why do we have to control our behavior so that someone else can control theirs it's like it kind of seems like an obvious like okay you're we shouldn't have to do something in order to like
0: to protect protect, some protect other someone person. else yeah. yeah it just
1: kind of seems a little bit too like it just seems like a way that they're controlling everybody in this group in this you know christian group yeah yeah I don't know how to say it in a better way. No, I
0: I think it makes sense. I always felt really bad for that as a man. I felt really bad that, uh, like, girls had to be so conscious of men's inner thoughts. That's what it seemed like to me. Like, as as a teenager in youth group, I felt really guilty being a guy sometimes because I... It seemed like so crappy that the girls had to know so much about what I I was supposed to be like desiring all the time or that they'd have to dress a certain way so that I wouldn't sin. Mm hmm. That sucks. Like, that's weird. It's a weird pressure to put on, weird responsibility to put on the girls. Mm-hmm. And then it makes the guys, at least it made me feel really weird that the girls were apparently like so aware of my sexual desires towards it's them. Like, you know? It's kind of
1: like you guys all have a disease and we better not set it off.
0: Kind of, it, yeah. It, and it's <laughs> like up to you to not make my disease like manifest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's why a lot of girls kind of like grow up and go, grow away from the church feeling like they were tempted. Temptresses. It doesn't take much in a church to be a temptress. Yeah. All you have to do is like wear like one tank top and then boom, you're a temptress. Right, you totally. know what I mean? Like yeah. which in everywhere else in the world like is completely normal. Yeah. I mean, not everywhere in the world, but just like if you're not religious, it's like nothing.
0: Yeah. Like no one bats right. an eye no at it. No one thinks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought about it a lot because my mom was like a leader in the youth group that I went to mm-hmm. when I was in middle school. And it was so embarrassing for me because She before the meetings, she would like patrol the room. And if there were any girls who were wearing a tank top that like showed too much shoulder or if their shirt was too low or if their belly was showing at all, she would pull that girl aside and make her wear like a huge blaze shirt. Mm -hmm. The blaze was the name of the youth group. It was like this giant double XL T-shirt of shame (laughs) that girls would have to wear if they were dressed too revealingly and it sucked so much being the son of, yeah, that, of that, that, lady. that mom who's doing that
1: i would be so embarrassed if that happened to me yeah especially because like it was not ever my intention to be revealing right or of like of course
0: not like yeah. i'm not
1: trying to dress like a slut yeah. ever in my life
0: but like when the person comes up and gives you a shirt to cover up your body it like of course it's going to make you feel ashamed
1: and especially as like a i don't know how old but like whatever tween teen girl you're like that's when you're like learning how to become a woman and someone comes up and tells you that like you're like basically a slut yeah. i mean like that's what they're saying that's the message yeah and receiving. you like yeah. you receive that message like your whole entire adolescence and then you just grow up feeling like slutty anytime you feel you want to feel like beautiful or right. like feminine yeah. or whatever yeah you just feel okay now this like femininity or my body is associated with like being slutty
0: yeah right it sucks it sucks you like can't get away from who you are Mm -hmm. but like apparently who you are is evil or is like causing other people to sin Mm -hmm. yeah that sucks i I felt that a lot like just in attraction to women or attraction to girls Mm -hmm. when i was young because for me it was impossible for me to separate like okay what's a, a holy righteous like healthy attraction for a girl and what's me just lusting after a girl and you can't, you can't sort that out. People like, first love of all, you can't separate that. those two things, yeah. you know, like p- attraction is both mm-hmm. like you're going to be sexually attracted to somebody and whatever, just attracted because they're beautiful. Like there's, I don't know, you can't separate that into two separate things. And then especially as like a 14 year old, I don't have the mental, I don't like know myself well enough to sort through that anyway. So anyways, what ends up happening or what ended up happening to me was that, any feelings of attraction i had towards girls that was like sin to me you know when mm-hmm. i would feel that like draw that pull of attraction towards someone i felt i felt ashamed of that mm-hmm. i felt like i was sinning i felt like that was my evil nature coming out um and that's kind of like how i grew up the whole time to- almost the whole time before i met you i feel like attraction i had towards the opposite sex it was really hard for me to feel that and to sort out whether it was sinful or, or holy. I think that's probably why
1: you're just like stressing out anytime you have a crush on a girl, you think that you're like committing some like horrible crime. Yeah. Just by when you think a girl's hot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the worst part is that it's a crime that I am not choosing to commit, you know, like I don't, I'm not choosing to think that this girl's hot. I like, I just think that, you know, Mm -hmm. it just, it hits me and that's my feeling. But Mm -hmm. like, to me at that time, that feeling was evidence of my sinful nature. And I tried to push it down right away. And then I would pray to God and say like, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm so lustful, like turn my eyes towards you and help me to be attracted to the person that you have chosen for me. It's weird. It's like, it's so my natural biological processes were so interrupted and so like controlled and i was trying to whatever manipulate them so much that they kind of just get lost Mm -hmm. and then i start to lose started to lose touch with that side of myself altogether Mm -hmm. and how like of course you know
1: how was dating for you did you have a lot of girlfriends
0: uh no I, i think i've had like five girlfriends maybe but it was weird i just like kind of fairly recently realized that this isn't the same for everybody but For me, I would never start dating someone, even as like a seventh or eighth grader. I when I first started, like being interested in girls and wanted to ask a girl out, whatever that meant as a seventh grader, I always had this idea in my mind that I should never even consider dating someone or like getting involved with someone or becoming someone's boyfriend uh, unless I felt like I could marry them. Mm -hmm. or unless I felt like there was a good chance that I was going to marry them Uh because to me and this is probably something I picked up from either my family or like reading I Kissed Dating Goodbye or whatever Mm -hmm. but to me uh, the only purpose of dating was to get to know your spouse Mm -hmm. like dating around was a Horrible sin in my mind. Yeah, like a person who dated a lot of different people. They were like kind of loose and slutty, and they probably just wanted to sin and like just make out really with as many selfish. people as possible. It's like a really yeah. selfish
1: thing to do. Yeah. Selfish
0: and like yeah, evil in a way. So I never was like that. I never relationships were always super super serious for me. Mm-hmm. Even in eighth grade when I started dating a girl, it was like in my mind that was going to be a long term relationship, and I was like very committed to it and. It was just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> looking back on it now, it seems so silly. Like Yeah, like, why are you so grade, serious? Like, how can I even have the capacity to think
1: yeah, how this are big? You, how you know, are you like, even so serious then?
0: But that's... It felt really, really serious. Mm-hmm. You know, it was never just a fun, light fling to get to know somebody or to, like, whatever, explore your sexuality or any of that. Mm-hmm. that it was all very serious, very purposeful, very intentional. Mm-hmm. It wasn't light and fun. It was, like, heavy and serious. And, of course, I had fun with the people you know, with the girls that I was dating and I actually liked them, but like, I can only imagine what they were feeling at the time. They probably were like, this guy's like way too serious. (laughs) You know,
1: (laughs) maybe, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know. Yeah. And you said you never told your parents when you had girlfriends, like especially those first few.
0: Never, because I was never allowed. And, and for them, it was again, like, I think I probably learned it from them that in their mind, dating was the precursor to marriage. That was the point of dating. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I would never tell them if I liked a girl or if I was if I'd like asked a girl out at school, it mm-hmm. was always a secret. It was always something that I needed to keep under the rug because I knew that they definitely didn't approve of me like dating anyone mm-hmm. um, or even I don't know. It seems silly, but I've, I really had the feeling that it was not OK for me to like a girl like that wasn't, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I needed to be so careful and needed to make sure I was so pure because it was really, really dangerous to start getting involved with a girl. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what it felt like as a teenager for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and But in my mind, I kind of had this, the end goal was marriage. Uh, and I think for a lot of Christians and maybe you too, like marriage was kind of the release. Like in my mind, marriage was when all of the rules came off and you could finally like fully explore your sexuality and you could fully... Uh, explore your passion for another person mm-hmm. but it was only within the confines and within the safety of a godly marriage that that was permissible mm-hmm. um it's funny you
1: know. like thinking about it now because sometimes i think like kind of when you pull back the curtain it's like what makes this marriage ceremony so special that all of a sudden no rules apply you know like yeah like kind of like why is this so I mean, I know that people, I know the, com- the, the answers a Christian would give, but like mm-hmm. when you really look at it, why do we need to have this special ceremony, like in order for us to be able to have sex? Like, I think about just everything else in the world. Like, if God created everything and he thinks it's perfect, then why do we need to have marriage because all the animals just go out and have sex all the time mm-hmm. or like they're mating all the time. They're having their partners or some species don't have long-term partners. Yeah. They have a new one each season, you know, like that's perfect. Like, and that's according to plan. And like, we like put these rules on us, which we don't realize like some other like man, like 2000 years ago, like set up for just us. made up. Yeah. Yeah. To be married in order to have sex. Like, it's just, it. when you look at the rest of nature, it doesn't seem natural.
0: Right. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point.
1: And I know that if, like, a Christian believed that God created everything, then, like, there's something so beautiful in nature and, like, so natural, and obviously, and it's in the Word, like, and how they have their relationships and how they, like, create more... Of themselves and so like it seems like a strange thing to like have us have so many rules and to make it so yeah. unnatural yeah you know right. for us like waiting so long to have sex or like thinking sex is so taboo or like some natural part of our body i mean it took so long for us to even be able to say that like yeah like that sexual attraction is completely normal like I feel it so strongly now in the beginning it took a long time like I would be like yeah it's normal it's normal for us to feel sexually attracted to people and it's like that's a normal part of growing up and going through puberty and like realizing that you have like that you're a sexual being or whatever blah blah and like now I I feel like it's so obvious that that's just completely normal Mm -hmm. that that we feel that way but like that sucks to like grow up feeling like it's not because it takes so long to get that back. Yeah.
0: Especially I mean, we're still, we're definitely still learning to get that back mm-hmm. in some ways.
1: Yeah. You know? So let's go back to when we first yeah. started dating. Yeah. So we we met in college and Joe was a freshman and I was, I was a junior. Yeah. 18 and 20. Yeah. So you were 18, I was 20. And...
0: And I was living at home still at the time when we met.
1: And I was as well. I just moved back home. Mm-hmm. I. Was living in madison for two years before but then i just moved home and uh, met joe at school so we met um, what like online basically we like started talking on facebook and we met up and we decided that we wanted to to date and we like one of the first things that we talked about actually was setting up boundaries yeah i think that's like a popular phrase for like the i mean the whole purity culture and like Christians of that time to set up boundaries in your relationship. And, the, and that was really cool. That
0: was something I took a lot of pride in. Yeah. And, and the reason why it was so, so like present for me is something I was thinking about was I had before we met, like probably six months before we met, I had gotten out of a, a relationship I had been in for like two plus years. Um And, This, I don't know. I felt like with you, I really liked you right off the bat and I really wanted to like do it right all Mm -hmm. the way, you know? And so, yeah, one of the first things I talked to you about.
1: Do it right all the way. Okay. Do it all the way. Stop
0: being (laughs) sinful. (laughs) But one of the first things I wanted to do was to set up boundaries for us in terms of like our physical touch and stuff like that. And so I remember we were like chatting on Facebook and talking about how, okay, we, we can kiss but we aren't gonna like make out wait right?
1: i felt like we had this conversation in person we did i thought we did
0: okay well either way
1: it was a long time ago. it was a long time ago
0: but we had a specific conversation about it i uh-huh. remember i don't remember what the specific rules were but it was like we could kiss but we couldn't kiss too hard i felt like it and was like, like
1: going backward like i mean obviously okay like no we're not having sex before we get married mm-hmm. like we both kind of like, like put was that given. out yeah, yeah like a given like okay definitely <laughs> no sex before we're married Um, like nothing below the belt, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. below the belt. uh, Like, you know, clothes. Nothing above the
0: belt either. Okay, yeah,
1: for me, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, we can kiss, but no hardcore making out. Yeah, Yeah, just that was like
0: the rules. And what did you feel when I when I brought up that conversation?
1: Well, I had been dating several <laughs> terrible guys at the time and really really appreciated it
0: yeah um, well yeah. Cause, so like what did you think in your relationships like those guys you were dating weren't Christian necessarily. Did you feel guilty in those relationships? Yeah, I you felt did. super
1: guilty. Um, I also have always felt that I was more, way more Christian than all of the men in my relationships. Mm-hmm. Some of them were Christian and like kind of. And I was like, I shouldn't be the spiritual le- leader because I'm the woman kind yeah. of struggle, you yeah. know? And I did feel guilty. And then I started dating some guys that just weren't religious at all. And I kind of went through a weird streak. And so I think I was feeling like pretty guilty, like that moment of like wanting to come back to God, you know, and when I met you and you were so like the perfect godly man and you had morals and everything. And I was just like, so awestruck by that. And I really, really wanted that, you know, and because I wanted to be a stronger Christian Mm -hmm. at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, our relationship was founded on that. (laughs) Like we started off from the very beginning on being pure together. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I took a lot of pride in that and you apparently really appreciated that at the time. But that, like, we had, went into it with good intentions, I think. And, mm-hmm. like, all of that was supposed to be good and help us to have a better relationship and to keep us pure and holy. And um, that, my, my family was, like, totally on board with all those rules and boundaries, too. You told them? I didn't tell them. But, like, well, maybe I did. Maybe I told them that I set boundaries with you. They would have been, like, thrilled to hear that, mm-hmm. you know. Because they had additional r- rules for us. Like, we weren't allowed to ever be alone alone. Uh, oh, at yeah. my family's house um we if you were ever staying the night which was like really rare you had to sleep on a different floor than me like mm-hmm. we couldn't be on the same floor the same we, like level yeah of the same house. level mm-hmm. on the two-story house um what else i had a curfew at 10
1: yeah all because of these my things...
0: parents would always say like nothing good happens after 10 you know
1: I remember this period of dating you. I immediately felt like a child. Mm-hmm. I never felt this way before. You were
0: 20. Because
1: my parents were who are really, really religious are. I don't know how to describe them. They're, they're super religious. They take it really seriously. But like with us kids, they I felt like they were a lot more relaxed yeah. about like they tr- I think they had a lot of trust for us. And I feel like I didn't see that with your family. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: you were the third child, too. And your yeah, brother is yeah. how much older? Like, That's a lot true. older than you. I was the oldest child mm-hmm. and the first one to have gone through any of this. And I was a boy. And according to my family, like, boys were way more crazy about sex and would... Yeah. Whatever. That's true.
1: It was super hard dating the first male child of a family. And mm-hmm. fe- I, like, immediately was reverted back to, like, being 15. Yeah. I felt. With the, the curfews, the like, the rules about us being together, like, having chaperone. It was a little bit in, intense, like, going to your house. Like, one time I was there uh, playing a game with you, and mm-hmm. I was wearing a dress, and your mom came over to me and whispered in my ear that my dress was down, and I was, like, basically showing, like, cleavage. Not which too much cleavage? If you've ever seen me, I'm, like, super flat. So <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But, like, I was showing too much, like too much yeah. and well, she was you in, like, i mean like super embarrassed and also like how dare you yeah. say that to me you are not my mother like kind of like i'm a woman like get off my back yeah sort of like i almost want to cry right now it's like that feeling of like other women telling other women that you are revealing something or that is like it's one thing to, like, see it happen to someone else. But then once it happens, like, and you're like, that sucks. Yeah, like, don't, that sucks when someone says that to you. But then, like, having it happen to you, oh. Yeah. It feels, like, demoralizing.
0: It, I bet. it's. I mean, they're essentially coming up to you and saying, like, hey, just so you know. You're, you're a little
1: bit slutty. You're like,
0: you're sinning a little bit. Yeah. Could you cover up? Yeah, that sucks. That sucks that that's something that people feel like they have authority to, to say to you, even.
1: And you know what the worst part of it is? Is that she's saying it to protect you. Yeah. That's worse. Yeah. Oh, That makes
0: me feel like crap too. Because what, am I like a helpless little baby? Yeah, Like, you if you are playing you a are. game and you lean over, I'm going to just instantly like start having sex with you because I can't control myself or, you know, like what in the world?
1: <laughs> I feel like a lot. I mean, and now that it's like more normalized, it's like, yeah, why not? Like, let him look like what he's going to marry me.
0: Yeah, right.
1: I don't know like it's it's sort of like robbing it seems like now that it's like robbing you an experience like that you that you should have it is in a way it's
0: it's one of the things that I feel most angry about and that's hardest for me to let go with my Christian past is that um, our the entire time that we were dating I felt like the totally natural expected feelings of attraction we had towards each other. I was continuously working to suppress those Mm -hmm. like every, every time I would feel some kind of attraction towards you, like a lustful urge, Mm -hmm. which of course I do. Like you're, I'm dating you. You're going to be my wife. I think you're incredibly attractive. Of course I have like sexual attraction towards you. That's totally natural, but it wasn't (laughs) natural to me as a Christian person, you know, and every time it would pop up, I would literally like stop and I would take a breath and I would, ask for forgiveness, which is so stupid. Uh I would immediately ask for forgiveness for having that feeling. I would ask God to take away my lust and I would like redirect my thoughts to something else so that I wasn't thinking about you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I got good at that. I feel like I got really good at it because I was constantly doing it. And not only for you, I I remember the one thing that stuck out to me and I can't remember what book this was from, but I read some Christian book um, about being a man and like remaining pure and in that book, it described this technique called bouncing your eyes. And maybe mm-hmm. some of you have heard about it. Um, but it was the, the example that was given in the book is like, say you're at school and you're walking down the hall in between classes and you your eyes kind of just naturally go to some girl's butt that you see walking mm-hmm. down the hall ahead of you. And what you need to train yourself to do is immediately bounce your eyes away from that to anything else. Ask for forgiveness from God for doing it. Ask Him to fill you with His Spirit so that you could resist the temptation better in the future, and then continue on with your day. One that look. That was that for was one the, look. yeah. That was the the like pattern. So I got freaking really good at that. I mean, like you walk down the street, and there's like things that your eyes could be drawn to as like a sexually a sexual male, and of course your eyes just are looking around because you're a normal person. And I was constantly in my head, redirecting my eyes, asking for forgiveness for the feelings I had and moving on with my day over and over and over again for years. And so training myself in that way, like through high school, got me good at it. Then when I met you, I was already like pretty good at it. And so our whole relationship, when I'm supposed to be experiencing these beautiful feelings of attraction towards each other at the beginning of a relationship, and we're like young and healthy and in love. I'm continuously squashing that over and over again because I want to remain holy and mm-hmm. pure. That's like a tragedy to me that that's lost because that's a period of our relationship together that I that we can't get back. I know. You know. Dude. I feel
1: really mad about it as well because I th- like you and I had like really really good chemistry.
0: So good, it was like amazing. Uh huh. And yeah.
1: I like. I think like we did sometimes take it like further past our boundaries. Like we did make out like kind of hardcore. Yeah. And I felt like we had like kind of that, the taste of that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, but it was always clouded by so much guilt,
0: so much like shame around all of it.
1: And it ruined it. You know, it's like, I mean, that ruins like anything Yeah. when you're eating something like really, really like delicious. And then someone comes up and is like, you know, that's super bad for you. There's a lot of
0: carbs in that. And you're like,
1: God, can you just shut up for (laughs) a second? Like, let me enjoy this. Because like there's something that happens in your mind like when like it kind of makes it worse.
0: Yeah. It It makes it worse for you as soon as someone says
1: that's taboo or as soon as someone says like you're sinning about something, it's like it it's you're not going to forget that. It's not that's not harmless. no. So
0: it, it's it was torture and we wouldn't we would go in like I feel like this very repeatable cycle would happen mm-hmm. because we're dating and we'd be really pure and all on board both of us totally like yeah we're gonna stay really pure and whatever and then we'd go on for a couple of weeks and we kind of start to like slip and we'd start to uh whatever kiss more and we could start to become a little bit more lax on the boundaries that mm-hmm. I set. And then one of us would start to feel super guilty about it. And then we'd have to like talk about it and say, like, hey, like we should kind of back off. Let's try to like start again. We want to stay pure for God. And that would, whoever brought it up would, was bringing it up out of horrible shame and like crippling guilt. And the second that person brings it up, it's a total buzzkill. And then the other partner feels awful and guilty and shameful about Mm -hmm. it too. And it kind of creates this pattern of associating feelings of attraction to each other with horrible crippling guilt and shame
1: yeah exactly
0: so that that was our dating relationship like the beginning the most exciting electric time of our relationship was so clouded with like shame and guilt mixed into that electricity and that chemistry and it makes me super mad it makes like i have a my stomach feels like sick right now (laughs) thinking about it so fierce you know
1: i think that's like such a common um a symptom of like any kind of anything in religion, like even just thinking about that pattern where you are having to come back to like rededicate your life because you feel that you've been sinning, just like even not in in a dating relationship. But mm-hmm. that's such a thing within religion is. Like the cycle of feeling like, yeah, things are great. I'm being blessed. Okay, like I've really been backsliding. I need to rededicate my life to God. Okay, yes, I feel it again. And then, like, wow, I'm on this high. Okay, like now I'm starting to slip again. Now I need to rededicate my life. Same thing with like dating relationships. It's like now looking back on that, it's such an obvious cycle of abuse where, like, you're staying in this thing that's giving you these rules that's making you feel like crap, but you need to worship it. And like, but then when you come back to it and you feel everything is whole and right and you're not doing anything wrong, it's like, wow, this is amazing. But it's it's not ever going to change because you're within this cycle that's telling you that your natural feelings or whatever you're doing is like wrong. So you're yeah. going to keep this cycle going forever, right. especially in a relationship. You're not, there's no way... Well, there is a way that you're going to get rid of your sexual feelings, but then like you won't (laughs) be able to ever have sex again. Yeah. It's just like, you're right. We're with our whole life, our whole like adolescence, we were starting to associate any good like sexual feeling and any kind of anything that would be healthy, considered healthy after marriage, we were associating it with shame and guilt. Absolutely. And I know that we've shared this before, but I really want you to share again that um about your application for crew yeah
0: so when we were signing up for crew uh one of the things that was most important for crew staff members and and the staff member who was kind of above us and guiding us through the application process made this very clear that everybody on crew staff needed to be above reproach and they that phrase came from a bible verse and i don't remember what it is but it talks about how like leaders in the church need to be above reproach they need to be the ones who are like the most righteous and the Mm -hmm. most holy and setting the example for everybody else. So as part of the application, I had to have a phone call with my leader, who is this guy who's like probably five or six years older than me and who knew both me and you really well because we had kind of worked with him or been a part of crew on campus. And he had like this in-depth interview with me about our purity, about our relationship he asked me detailed questions. like Because okay, we were
1: engaged. At we the were engaged, t- at the time. yeah. We
0: weren't married yet, but we were engaged and we were applying for crew together. And so he was asking us or asking me on the phone uh, how intimate we've gotten. And I had to explain to him like what the boundaries were that I set for our relationship. And he was saying like, yeah, that's good, all that. And then he asked me about any times that we slipped up. And I had to like admit to him that we weren't perfect and that we didn't have sex, but like we did do other things.
1: So wait, did he like, did you think this was weird?
0: No, that that's the weirdest part is that at the time that this was happening, this didn't feel weird to me. I felt horribly, horribly guilty and small and like, like ashamed that I needed to admit this to this authority.
1: Do you think this guy's ever slipped up?
0: Of course. Why he is has. he like, well, making... I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, it's all a huge mess, but okay, he, go on, continue. he made me describe how, how, how we slipped up. And he would say stuff like, did you touch her over the clothes or was it under the clothes? And then he'd stop and he'd make a note and then he'd ask further questions about like how it was. I just want to say, I don't think that he's getting any kind of like sick sexual satisfaction out of this. I don't, I, I don't think, think so it so either. Like that. I feel
1: like he was programmed to need to ask these questions. But like, some... what the hell? Yeah.
0: That's it's that is such like a beautiful, intimate part of our relationship. And he or should have, have no been. part of he it. He should have nothing to do with that. And I looking back on it now, I wish I would have had the balls and like the inner strength to be like, I'm not sharing that part of a relationship with you. I know that it's important to you, but like, this is between my fiance and I, and I don't feel like it's right to share this. But mm-hmm. like, I would never have done that because at that well, time, you know what? It's great, it felt now right to
1: we can me. share all of it with the whole world.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a good point. <laughs> but yeah, it, it didn't feel weird to me. Yeah. I, it felt like something that I needed to fess up to. Mm-hmm. And in a way it maybe felt even good to like, get it off my chest yeah. and get it out into the open to like air my, my sins out.
1: Mhm. It's funny because like after we shared that someone wrote to us and said that that also happened to them. Yeah, that, several people have that like, you know, they were asked not to come on a crew project because mm-hmm. of their sexual purity yeah. and, or whatever or lack thereof and and it's like I it's so funny because in the as a Christian at the time, I thought that it was so great to be able to I don't know, monitor your sexual purity and make sure that you were sexually pure. And I thought that it was really moral and it was really healthy for like you. Admirable. Ad- admirable as the a couples person. we looked
0: up to the most were like the most strict mm-hmm. with like, sexual no purity. Kissing, no kissing. No kissing at all. Yeah. yeah. And all of
1: that. And, and looking at it, I don't know why I think like there's of course like a virtue in like not cheating on your spouse, I guess, mm-hmm. but like just like not, like touching or having sex, it like seems so, so unnatural to me now and like really like damaging to like any kind of sexual view that you should have like as a person.
0: Think of how much it warps your view of sex. It's it's like it's actually just like how we felt that in Christianity, nobody really talked about doubt or nobody talked about like the questions they had for God mm-hmm. or like the hard things mm-hmm. about Christianity As a Christian, I've always felt like you shouldn't really talk about sex. It shouldn't really be on your mind. It should be something that you kind of keep in the dark because it's not honoring to God. Mm -hmm. Unless you're married and then it is honoring to God. But like as a hardcore Christian, we weren't married yet. And so, you know, before we were married, I my goal is to keep it out of my mind Mm -hmm. as much as possible. Well, we all know that if you try to not think about something constantly, it's going to become an obsession in your Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And so that is also part of what happens, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, going through our dating relationship, wanting to have some kind of chemistry with you, sexual chemistry like a normal person, but continually rejecting that and resisting it and pushing it down makes... Sex like this huge idol in your life. It puts it up on this huge untouchable pedestal it's as funny. like this distant thing that it's like the forbidden fruit. It's always there. You're always your my body is like always trying to think about it. I'm constantly trying to not think about it, and so it becomes like this huge forbidden prize. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really really think that that is a huge part, if if not the reason that so many Christian men are like completely addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm because they're it's a taboo it's like the the horrible sin, in like worst the sin the thing that you want taboo. the most it's like the thing you want the most the thing you can't really control your thoughts about and also the thing that's supposed to be like the worst sin mm-hmm. so it's all very secretive and dark and hidden and like below board and everyone like every guy looks at porn and masturbates but nobody talks about it mm-hmm. or if they do talk about it it's talked about in a way where it's like so shameful and how as brothers, we need to band together and help each other to stay accountable so that we don't give in to the sin. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird, huge enemy that we created for ourselves that becomes like a mountain. Mm-hmm. It was the the we've talked about it before, but like the weirdest thing when we stopped reading the Bible and stopped praying and stopped like caring about our sins so much, pornography be- became a non-issue. Like quickly. It was like, oh, this is easy. You, you know, I don't have to th- care about porn. I don't even need to think about it. It's not like an obsession can take it or leave it, you know? And I've heard a lot of you guys who shared on Facebook and stuff that that's been similar for you that like, when you take the pressure off of something, you're, you're like not obsessed with it anymore.
1: It's so funny how obvious that seems now. I know, like, of, of course. course it seems obvious. Dumb. Like, yeah, <laughs> like stop telling us that sex is so bad. Yeah. Like you're making us hurt more you're making it worse for us like we're all teenagers do you know anything about health do you know anything about hormones they're being turned on right now we're crazy like stop talking about sex all the time it's so funny like now like we like to watch like reality tv shows with like really christian couples Mm -hmm. or we like watching like super christian movies just because like to i don't know it kind of like seeing it in a different light and stuff like kind of makes us laugh and it kind of helps us heal but like I'm noticing how obsessed Christians are with sex and so all the talk that they have around it. I used to think was completely normal, but now I'm like, nobody talks like that no, about sex. Nobody
0: in the real world talks about. Everyone's sex always like, like so do.
1: what are you gonna do on your wedding night? Like, yeah. let me t- let's talk about your wedding night and like, oh, is it like your first? Like, it's your first time, so like, I don't know, or like, or oh, we can't have you guys be alone because you probably are gonna have sex yeah. if you're alone, like. Uh-huh. I can't even describe like just the subtleties of it, but just watching like TV or like movies and like where you experience a Christian, it's like, wow, you have an obsession with sex. So obvious.
0: Right. Well, that on TV and even like observing from a distance Christians relationships in our life, like especially younger people who are going through, who who are like engaged at a similar age that we Mm -hmm. were engaged at. It's weird kind of looking at their relationship from the outside and seeing how much they are talking about sex or how much they're, like, thinking about and talking about sex by not talking about it and not thinking about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a big deal because they're so obviously trying to, like, hide from it. Well, you you can see, like,
1: how much they're suppressing a part of themselves. Yeah, it's just,
0: like, so suppressed. And
1: you can see, like, the insecurity about it. Mm
0: it. Totally. And I
1: felt that way. Yeah. Like, I remember... Feeling in a weird way like completely naive
0: yeah you know even though i was being
1: i was engaged and about to be married yeah and i'm not saying that like you need to have sex to be completely enlightened but just like you feel like a child when you have something that's taboo Mm -hmm. because that's what children have children have roles and taboo right you know like a being a fully formed adult is kind of about taking on responsibility we talk about it all the time for everything that you do in your actions and just you don't have those like taboos
0: right yeah
1: anymore so i i feel like we so we got engaged um i remember the day we got engaged like i i felt like we got so turned on we're like oh my gosh we're getting married Mm -hmm. and then we're like whoa we need to set extra boundaries and do you remember we decided that we weren't going to kiss anymore on the lips until we actually got married Yeah, because we had heard another girl who was a part of crew and she didn't do that and i was like man she's Uh super holy we're not going to do that anymore i want to be that level i need to be that level yeah so um was like a competition of like how holy you could be but like we still like kind of like kiss each other's necks yeah
0: (laughs) that was the stupidest thing i bet i bet that other people can relate to this too and i'd love to hear how you tried to skirt the rules (laughs) but we yeah we wouldn't kiss on the mouth but i would like kiss all on your face and like on your neck. Like, and like, oh, get it's not re- on your lips. I would get really close to your mouth, be like, I can't do it. And then oh my God. Okay, go home. <laughs> it's so stupid. It, it's just like this insane game that we're playing. It's psychological torture, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, I, I, I keep thinking about how our relationship would have been if we hadn't taken any of that into account. Like imagine we met, we have great chemistry and we can decide as individuals whether or not we want to have sex like before we're married or whenever whenever it's right we can decide when it's right maybe that's in the third date and maybe that's in six months who knows But it's up to us. How amazing is that to Mm -hmm. decide on your own what's right for you? Mm -hmm. Go figure. Go figure. Then throughout our relationship, throughout our our engagement, we could continue to explore that chemistry and like let that chemistry grow and encourage it and like pour more fuel on it and and like just have a natural unfolding expression of our relationship together. Mm -hmm. And then we could get married and it could continue on that way for the rest of our life. Like Mm -hmm. how How wonderful is that? Mm -hmm. I really, really wish that we could have had that as opposed to like that first few months being constantly barricaded and like boundaries put on it by our own brains, Mm which is what it's like a fight against a monster that we created ourselves.
1: I know. That's how it feels. Every single thing feels. Everything
0: feels like that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Looking back on all of it now, it's kind of weird how this obsession grew for sex. And then I think that. Someone needs to tell their Christian parents this, but like, hey, like if you tell me that something is bad my entire life and then once like someone presses like some some button or like once that priest signs my marriage license that all of a sudden it's supposed to be the best thing in the world yeah. for me, that's like not gonna work out. No,
0: yeah, that seems like common sense. So <laughs>
1: that's like what exactly what happened to us So yeah. like we so we get married and all of a sudden. You know, like sex is the best thing in the world that God created for a man and a woman, and it's like the most magical thing, and it's like a it represents like a union of Christ and the Church. You also, and like, but any i don't know just if you don't even need to be like a freaking psychologist or a therapist to realize that if you tell someone that it's the worst possible thing for them to think about but then all of a sudden they pass like cross a line and it's supposed to be the most magical thing in their life that there's going to be some kind of disconnect yeah so for a long time in our marriage we like kind of lost all sexual chemistry yeah and we had no idea why because we're like it's supposed to be the best thing in the world and god created it for us and like We're married now, we're allowed to do it. And like, it was just like that thing of turning 21 and you are allowed to drink and you're like, eh, I don't care anymore. Right. Because it's like, just like you were saying, when something is taboo and you people talk about it, it becomes an obsession. That's what you want so much. And so also another thing that I think more people should talk about is that like, you're not going to be good at sex the first time you have it.
0: Yeah. Go figure duh
1: like and i think i feel that like i felt that i was like cheated in a way not because of that but because like i the whole time that i was christian that everybody worshiped sex so much but in a weird way you know like once you're married it's going to be the best like i keep Mm -hmm. saying but like nobody like said like anything else you're going to need to learn how to do it no because that's like how everything else works in the world that you are a beginner and you learn how to do it and you get better and better and better at it I think, like, I feel, like, in a way, like, kind of robbed of my youth when I think about that, you know, like, just, like, being inexperienced or whatever. Um, So, throughout our marriage, like, we, as Christians, we, like, like I said, we kind of lost, like, some kind of sexual chemistry, and then our deconversion happened, and we dealt with a lot of things, like, just being, becoming, like, new people, Mm -hmm. becoming our actual personality, and... Because of our deconversion, we started, like, reintroducing, like, the topic of of sex. And I think that's when we started to realize how brainwashed we totally. were with sex. And, like, why possibly it could be that we didn't ever want to have sex right. anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, I remember thinking, wow, we've, like, made it such a weird topic for us. Like, we can't even, we can talk about it, but it's always, like, a trigger. Yeah. In a way, because it's supposed to be like this thing in your marriage that's like held on a pedestal in right. a way. And we, and I think the best thing for us was normalizing it totally just by being around regular people, regular relationships, and like kind of trying to not make it a big deal yeah. anymore.
0: That I think that was by far the most helpful change that we made, or not even a change that we made, but something we realized as part of the deconversion was that, yeah, we had had sex on this pedestal as like this huge momentous thing that held um, incredible importance and incredible weight in our whole lives and our whole relationship, we had kind of thought of sex in that way. And I think it caused us to really disconnect from it. And like you said, it made it like a triggering topic between us. And the best way that we found to recover from that was just normalizing it by like the way we talk about it with each other mm-hmm. normalizing it by watching like allowing ourselves to watch tv show that have sex scenes
1: mm-hmm. and like yeah because for a while we would like skip it it would make we us would sp- feel really uncomfortable we felt super uncomfortable yeah. watching it as like 25 year olds yeah like we couldn't even watch sex scenes in movies right it made us feel dirty
0: yeah totally And I I mean, I'm sure that you guys can relate to that, too. It was so pre-programmed, I think. I realized that, like, even as a 24-year-old, I still had tons of shame around the topic of sex, period. And so if if a sex scene happens in a movie, I have so many conflicting feelings about it Mm -hmm. that, like, something's there. And I think it's the same – actually, it's the same pattern as any any of these other topics we've dealt with in deconversion. It was just a matter of – of becoming aware of when I'm getting triggered by stuff Mm -hmm. and so like we became aware that sex was a huge trigger for us and and at the beginning we didn't know why or like what that trigger meant or where that was coming from or what our feelings were really around it but we just knew that when sex came up it was like there was something significant there Mm -hmm. um yeah and so like just normalizing it has been so good for us Mm-hmm. It's been great. Like, we, we've we started watching that 70s show recently, and we had never watched it because that was, like, not a good show for Christians to watch, apparently. I don't know. We, we both,
1: for some reason, thought that, but we yeah. talked about it. And nobody had ever told us that. Yeah. But it had weed in it and sex, so we, like, probably, like— That's probably why. —didn't watch it because we just, like, set that rule up for ourselves. Yeah.
0: But even—so even now, watching that 70s show and it, watching those high school kids, like, hang out and kind of talk casually about sex— was super healing for us. It was like, whoa, did other people in high school, could they talk about it this openly?
1: Yeah, it's weird. I feel like that show or like any kind of show, it seems like completely harmless to like any normal person who had like a normal childhood. But to us, it seems like we're watching like, what a childhood or like an adolescence we could have had. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. feel nostalgic for it. Yeah, like in a way that like I missed out on the part, but it also is like bringing me some kind of like healing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally Our
1: satisfaction. I'm like, yeah, just like you said. Sometimes I'm like, wow, did other people grow up thinking that they were actually good? Right. Or did other people grow up actually feeling like that they loved their bodies? Totally.
0: Yeah, it's such I'm a like, surprise. Wow, what yeah. the
1: heck? Like, dang it, that
0: sucks. Right. It That's sucks. Like we that had to me. deal with it. Yeah, it sucks that we have to learn that stuff now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just seems I, would, like so I know weird.
1: we're laughing about it so much, but we like actually do feel pretty like sometimes angry about it, but it just feels better to laugh.
0: You kind of have to at mm-hmm. a certain point because you can stay angry about this stuff forever and it's just going to like kill you and bring you down. Mm-hmm. And at some point you just can't really take it. So
1: mm-hmm. I always we're think about, laugh about it now. Someone like recently said, okay, yeah, everybody has something that happened in their past. So what, mm-hmm. what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And like, I feel like I always feel, yeah, I think that's like our inspiration for laughing and moving forward. Mm-hmm. But so um, I guess like a co- what other things helped us? I think like going to the doctor, I had never had an orgasm before and I didn't even know what that was. Nobody ever talks about women and sex within Christianity. They focus all on the men. Mm-hmm. Like so no one talks about the woman, they think that she doesn't ever really want sex or ever think about it. She doesn't think that, they don't think that they, she needs any pleasure in it or whatever. So I told my doctor at uh, 30 years old, and she gave me this book recommendation. Do you remember what it was? Tickle my fancy. <laughs> oh
0: my God, tickle my fancy. It sounds kind of like a cat food Dude, or something. She
1: it totally does. She was like, don't worry about the title. It sounds crazy, but just like try reading it. So I remember reading it and being like super embarrassed. Even like it wasn't normal yet. And I was like, it felt like I a to have that." believe book. that I'm learning this as a 30 year old. Yeah. Which I now have to like forgive myself, like give myself forgiveness or whatever. Like because who, why would, nobody talks about sex within like religious communities. Mm-hmm. So like, of course, I don't know about that. So like we read this book together. That was super helpful. Mm-hmm. I think for us, it yeah. like, it led me to get my first vibrator, which was super helpful for us it like led us to be more normalized about sex. We began talking about it more. And like, I think one, another big thing that helped us was when someone said that you don't have sex, doesn't have to have like a definition. Like it doesn't need, you don't need to get to like that end goal that you should start like enjoying just intimate, small, intimate moments with your partner. That
0: was huge. That was super huge. Especially. Yeah. Mm. And I think we heard that on a podcast that was another thing. We started listening to podcasts about sex and I actually think that more than the content of the podcast or even what was in that book, just like talking about it, period, or like reading a book about it, period, mm-hmm. was so helpful just to like get us talking about it and thinking about it and kind of taking the taking the ness off of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like kind of reframing sex or reframing intimacy, I guess, mm-hmm. like... Intimacy doesn't necessarily have to mean like intercourse every time. And like, I don't know, in my mind, I kind of always felt like intercourse was true sex and anything else like wasn't quite up there. And you should be having true sex all the time and you should be loving true sex (laughs) all the time. It sounds so
1: funny when you're saying it it right now. But like, that is what... I think because people, when they talk in the church, talk about sex, it's like obviously you don't—they don't want you to have that sex that's like intercourse, and that's mm-hmm. what they're talking about is taboo. So you think that now that you're married, you should do that every yeah, time that because one. that one kind of sex. <laughs> it was—I think it was the Juliet Allen. We listened to Juliet Allen's podcast because yeah. she's a sexologist. She's like super unabashedly like like loves sex. Like she just really says shocking. all. She uses all the words that we, ne- we we're so afraid to say yeah. and use. Um, but it was really, really healing for us. But she said, like, to that thing of reframing your intimacy and, like, that your goal at first, if you're having trouble with it, maybe, like, it's because you're pushing yourself to go out this whole way. And it's, like, sort of like a fear of, are we going to make it? And is yeah. it going to, I mean, am I going to be able to check that box? Exactly. Like, you yeah. know, and, and why, why does, It's like anything coming out of religion. Why does it have to be black and white?
0: Right. Totally. That's actually a really good point. It was so black and white in our mm -hmm. minds. Intimacy like meant one thing, but like sex was true intimacy. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't like we didn't we weren't really intimate unless we like had a real all the way sex. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Like this huge thing, a box to check off. Yeah. Because that was the one thing that was completely off limits Mm -hmm. before. And I so, think, yeah, just yeah, like normalizing we, everything, taking the pressure off, taking the goal away. Like yeah, there's no goal. goal. There's no goal. It doesn't. Who cares if you don't have like intercourse sex all the time? Who cares? Like just do whatever you want to do and feel good about it. Yeah. Like, you know, and that that was so helpful. It was just like taking the pressure off such a relief.
1: I think that's always what it is. It's like you put you're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're putting with purity culture. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. Like it's the pressure is like stress inducing and when you're stressed you're not going to have a healthy sex sex life of course not
0: yeah at all yeah i mean
1: even people who just are stressed because of their job like they don't have any kind of religious trauma can't have sex no right it's like it's just a thing if you're gonna you need to feel healthy and happy within yourself whole in order to have a beautiful sex life right and so regardless of whether what background you come from
0: yeah and so like the first step of that was beginning to untangle the years of conditioning that we had built up within ourselves around sex.
1: I think in being, I think and being really patient about it because when I see people talk that's about it, that's something too. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, I kind of feel this way still is like time, you know, is the best healer yeah. of all of our wounds. And the longer we're out of this, the more normal everything seems and the better I feel. Mm-hmm. And i don't know the more clearly i can kind of see what was hurting me in the past and yeah, why and yeah. even if i can't necessarily articulate it well like i'm feeling more and more whole and carefree yeah. about you know because as a christian i think that you care about such tiny details yeah, you're kind of
0: things working
1: over time in your brain you're and, right and you don't really realize it and i think sex i mean even hearing you talk about how you were bouncing your eyes. Yeah, what a load
0: off! I know. Oh my god, it's like you know? such a relief. It's such a relief to like feel attraction towards the feminine mm-hmm. and like enjoy that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I want. I remember one time recently, you told me that like you feel like an attraction for like at, like fe- like women, just fem- like femininity like in general, feminine
0: energy. And yeah. we talked
1: about that, and I was like, yeah, like I like I feel when I see someone like like really masculine like whatever i feel that attraction to and kind of talking about that and like not being like oh like you need to bounce your Stop eyes cheating on but me like, yeah like kind of living your life turned on yeah all day like it's amazing. turned on whatever maybe not necessarily sexually but just turned on to life
0: like we're freaking alive. like being we're vibrant yeah. and like
1: seeing the beauty in other people like
0: F- feeling that pull and like push and pull and yeah. being sensitive to your feelings and to what's happening around you and yeah I I think you said something like a minute ago that I wanted to highlight that the the goal for me in this whole deconversion process, and I guess in my life in general, is to just become a full, whole, embodied person. Like, I want to be sound and whole in every area. And I think that if I can do that, like a healthy sex life is a natural byproduct of that. Mm -hmm. As opposed to when I was a Christian, like seeing sex as a topic and seeing holiness as a topic and whatever, and like focusing so intensely on these really nuanced topics as if they were like a checkbox to check off, as opposed to, you know, hoping that I was just a fully healthy person in every way Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that everything else will just come from that. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's like pulling the pressure off of everything, kind of just focusing on ourselves, focusing on being healthy and happy and whole within ourselves. And by doing that, like every other side aspect of your life also improves at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like natural and beautiful and it feels effortless in a certain way. And it's just such a relief compared to old school way of trying to constrict everything, you mm-hmm. know, force everything.
1: I, yeah, I know. It's, I think like, I think that we got lucky in, in a way and that we like healed from it kind of like not necessarily on our own but like we were able to like talk about it but like i feel like some people i think like had it way worse than us like i feel oh, like it's sure. not just purity culture doesn't affect you and just like makes you feel bad about sex but some people like can't have sex like some people like their marriages you know were torn like, apart, apart because, because, because of, of, it. of it like i
0: mean people like get like, have biological conditions mm-hmm. w- inside their body where they physically can't have sex because of the mental anguish that they went through in like purity culture. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I, and we feel, I, I feel, feel like, like people so need bad.
1: to talk about it more. I think that more people are. I mean, I think that there's like a lot more books written about mm-hmm. it now. Um, I feel like it's a conversation that I kind of want to have with your parents. Yeah. Or, you know, more. I feel I like know. more. No, <laughs> I don't know. I know. If I want to talk to my parents. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Joe just, like, fell so, over. I think I always feel like people need to know. Like, it it's it doesn't have to affect your faith. Like, you don't need to stop being Christian because of it. Like, so it doesn't need to be a triggering topic of you either stop your purity culture or, like, you know, and stop having your faith or you're just, like, stuck it, it, that yeah, way. Yeah, right. But, like, I kind of feel like people should know, you know – and improve on how they raise their children yeah right you know because it's just like i don't think that some parents realize like how um, damaging it yeah. was for their kids That's and the only it's... way they're gonna find out is if the kid if some kids tell them so i'll, yeah. I'll go tell your parents if you want i love <sighs> it okay, i'd love fine. to talk about it i'll go it.
0: talk to your parents about it um i feel so encouraged in the group i've seen a bunch of people mention how they're teaching their young kids about their bodies and about feelings. And I'm like, I feel so so touched like Mm -hmm. those lucky kids, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel, I feel for my inner child self who Mm -hmm. like didn't have that, but I, I'm so encouraged by seeing you guys post in the group about how you're raising your kids and how you're teaching them about sex and how you're teaching them about their bodies and to love their bodies. And it's Mm -hmm. like so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like they're starting off in such a good place compared to where a lot of us started off in terms of what we felt about Mm -hmm. ourselves and our bodies and stuff. That's cool. I'm I'm really encouraged by that. Mm
1: -hmm. Encouraged and tiny bit jealous.
0: Totally. I'm totally jealous. Yeah. (laughs) I'm super jealous, but like, yeah. Um,
1: I think the important thing is to not lose hope because coming out of a religion Especially like a really fu- fundamentalist Christianity is super hard. And I don't think that people really realize that how many things you're going through and how many things you're trying to reframe in your brain. And, um, there's been a lot of problems that have come up that I am, I and we have felt, how could this possibly have any solution? Or mm-hmm. are we just messed up? Yeah. Like for the rest of our life? And, uh, time and time again, things have found a way, like we've found a solution and, And maybe it's like not one that like you can just snap your fingers and it's fixed. But it's like it's like a one step at a time kind of thing. So like if you're having problems with sex, like go see a therapist, go pick up a book, go like maybe like notice when you start to feel like weird about it or Mm -hmm. triggered by it. Like there's just talk about it. Talk about it with yourself. Write about it. There's there's like a lot of ways and I feel like everything that is happening right now is like kind of like a step-by-step process so just like doing something moving towards it is going to help you in the long run I feel that's kind of like how it was for us it's just kind of trying to like uncover things as we go yeah
0: uncover everything and everything that touches everything else so if you're fixing one part of Uh, trait that you got from fundamentalism it's going to help other areas that you don't think are even related yeah yeah, it's all about having patience it's all about like realizing that you've gone through something really serious and that it's going to take some time and like very conscious effort to untangle all the knots that were tied when you were deep in your christianity and just like being really soft and gracious with each other while you guys figure it out together or separately Mm -hmm. yeah we're still on a journey. I feel like we're, we haven't, like, made it by any sense. And there's still things we want to improve. And I think that our, we're still, like, discovering a lot about each other and about our relationship and how we work best together. But I think at this point, we're both, like, a lot more patient and softer and more compassionate for each other and for each other's experiences than we were in the beginning. Um, and it's helped so much.
1: Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say that leaving religion has helped our sex life
0: oh like 100%. so much yeah if that's not clear it's like it's helped so much but obviously it has you know like mm-hmm. when we talk about it it's like oh of course it's like impossible to have a good sex life carrying all of that ridiculous baggage mm-hmm. in your mind so yeah we're dropping the baggage hope that you guys can drop some baggage from listening to this and then yeah we'd love to hear what you guys what your experience has been what's helped you what's been hard for you all that stuff um so yeah find us on facebook and instagram and send a message we'd love to hear from you